Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. Why don't you grab a seat? It's great to be with you. My name's Brad. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm excited about what God is doing through the life of Kalamunda Church, and one of the things he's doing, we're going to talk about, because Abby's going to come and help me. Yeah, grab the other mic, Abby, if you can. Um, Something exciting is happening this week. This week is... Pack. (laughs) If you haven't heard already. (laughs) What is Pack? What is Pack? Pack is Performing Arts Camp. Performing Arts Camp, yes. and you're leading it with scripture, yes. scripture Union? Yes, yes. Fantastic. Abby, can you tell us, obviously start, the leaders will be here this afternoon, yes. all the way through to Saturday. Yes. This place has been turned upside down. Hey, this is a great way that we can use our facility for the glory of God um, oh, yeah. all week long. Hey, isn't that cool? And Abby is obviously a big part of our church here, so it's so cool that you're leading. Can you tell us the heart behind PAC, what you really, are, the, the, the prayerful heart from you this week, what you'd love God to do? Yeah, so um, PAC has actually run for like decades, for ages. And then last year, Script Union, I was an intern there and the staff had asked me to kind of redo the entire camp. Um, and I was like, all right, let's go. <laughs> Never been on a performing arts camp as well before then. So it was really deep end change everything and it went awesome and the kind of heart behind pack is to teach kids from years 8 to 12 how to glorify god within drama how to glorify god within music how to glorify him with dance and then how to glorify him in musical theater and just using the performing arts because it is in the secular world it's very it's brutal it's intense and it's not godly at all yeah (laughs) most of the time and so being able to bring god as the center of standing on stage and doing a performance, doing a dance, doing a song, acting, and saying, hey, look at the gift that God's given me and Mm. how I can shine and bring love and light through Jesus to people. So that's kind of the heart and the goal for the campus. How many campers you got this week? 28 campers. Yep. (laughs) Last year we had 20, (laughs) so that's a massive... Leaders? Yeah, leaders we have... 10 leaders, and then we've got three cooks. So Nikki and Anushka as well, shout out to them. Yes. Um, Thank you. We also have Jess, Pendle, and Liesl as leaders as well. So we've got quite a few Kalamunda people in on the camp. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Any requests from the chefs, like uh, morning teas or things that people could help out? Maybe as a church there's things we can help this week. Nikki, is there anything else we need? Yep, morning, morning tea, tea and afternoon and, tea. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. So, so any you, any biscuits, any slices, any cakes, anything, ask Nikki Winter. <laughs> Nikki or Anuska. And, yeah, so if you could help with that, if you're available to be able to bring in some morning teas, afternoon teas, that would be fantastic. Yeah. We're going to pray over camp. Anything else we need? Oh, oh, another request from the church, especially from the strong, muscly people. Yes. Okay. Good Do you want me people. to say it or you? None of us. Okay. We're just going <laughs> to let you telepathically understand what that is. They now, already after know. the service, so one thing that, that we do need to do, um, and how cool is our foyer, by the way? Um, uh, I mentioned it last week, and I did mention the heart of Elliot behind it, and I don't want to embarrass Elliot, but I just want to say thank you so much. It's such a hospitable yeah. space. We used it this week on Thursday for Coffee and Connect, had about 15 or 16 adults, about 10 kids or something, and just connecting together, and we can see that space being used more for that. It's just so beautiful and hospitable. But unfortunately, we need to pack it 
it all up for pack. We need to pack it all up for pack. So today, after the service, we're actually going to be just packing it up and moving it into most of it into the yeah into the area. All the big tables can go up the back here. Yeah, so we don't just have to. so that um, Abby can use the space this week, and we've got national seniors this week, big week this week. <laughs> and um, so if you could help with that after everyone's finished having a coffee or during, that would be wonderful, so that you can use it. Um, any other requests? I think we're all good. Um, I think just prayer over the camp yeah. because it's we have not you know new facility and of course we're sleeping here and there's no dorms so the kids have to bring their own mattresses and if the kids don't have good sleep if the leaders don't have good sleep then the camp's just shambles yeah um, yeah but if I, think... I don't if I'm if I don't get a good sleep like <laughs> no. don't make noise no. <laughs> Oh, good, I'm joking. Yeah, so just, I think prayer throughout the week would be awesome. Let's pray now. Let's do that. Father, we just thank you for Cam. We thank you for Abby, for your hand upon her to lead not just performing arts, Lord, with her gifts and talents, but, Father, the spiritual element behind it, that she is bringing Jesus into the life of these young people. I pray for her leaders. I pray for all the kids that come, that they would be impacted from you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the servant hearts of the people that are doing the cooking. And, Father, we just pray for a week of powerful um, ministry, Lord, in and through this pack camp, and we commit it to you. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank, Thank you, you Abby. <laughs> Thank you, Abby. When you go there, can you throw that water at me when you're on your way down? That'll be great. Sky's in there. Thanks. <laughs> I thought you were going to. Uh, isn't it good? And that's it. Hey, we want to see God resourcing, releasing um, through the life of our church. And we're in a series on the Holy Spirit. And uh, last week we kicked off looking at, we've moved from the fruit of the Spirit to the gifts of the Spirit. I really enjoyed last week. I got a lot out of it, so thanks for coming. It was good. I really had a good time and got lots for myself. <laughs> Blessings. Um, no, I really did. But I want to talk this morning and get a bit deeper, if that's okay, with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I really believe that Kalamunda is, God is uh, leading us and guiding us and uh, to, to become all that he wants us to be, but to be a place of real balance and a place where God can, can trust us with his giftings, uh, with our character growing, with our fruit, but also that he can trust us with the gifts. As I said last week, often with the gifts of the Spirit, there's two extremes. There's abuses of the gifts over this side, and there's avoidances of the gifts of the Spirit because sometimes they, they, they get us uncomfortable. And we sort of want to be in the middle of this in a balanced way where we are, we are functioning and flowing in the gifts of the Spirit in a powerful way. I, I, I don't know if you were, I've got up here two different tools here. I'll talk about this one first. I have a trusty old screwdriver. If you were called to build something, and God is calling us to build something, but let's say you're called to build a cabinet or something like that, who knows that using this uh, handheld screwdriver is going to take a lot of human effort. It's going to take longer. It's going to take energy. And a lot of us in our Christian life, if we're not embracing the gifts of the Spirit, and you'll notice this morning, by the way, I feel like I've got a point here, you'll notice this morning that the gifts of the Spirit may already be functioning in your life to your unawareness, so to speak. And so this morning, something comes down, you go, whoa, that's actually a gift. But a lot of the times, if we don't embrace the power of the Holy Spirit in our Christian journey, in our life, we are like trying to build something with a screwdriver and we get worn out, we get tired, we get burnt out because we're trying to do it in our own strength but the gifts of the spirit is what God has given us 
It's so much easier to build something when you've got a power tool. And God has given us power tools where the effort is less, the energy is less, the burnout is less, and the job gets done quicker and in more of a powerful way because God has given us spiritual power tools. Amen? I'm just going to keep doing that after every point. It's going to be, right, write that one down. Write that one down. The power tools of God. You know, God says in His Word that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And we can't do that in our own strength. We need the Holy Spirit so much. We need to rely on Him, be filled with Him, be baptised with Him, release His gifts in our life. So we're going to talk about some power tools this morning, but a quick recap for those that weren't here last week. Quick recap, uh, verse on the screen, verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. Not so much 13 today, we focused on that last week. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each for the profit of all. And we talked about the purpose of the gifts. They have a reason, and the reason, gifts are not for gifts, gifts are for building people up for edifications, the churchy word, for for strengthening people, uh, for making a difference for the profit of all. We talked about how gifts are not a sign of spiritual maturity. Gifts are not earned or worked for. Just like when you were born, there were certain things that you got from your mummy and your daddy that were just in you, in your DNA and skill sets. When you were born again and became a Christian, God, your Father, has deposited some gifts in you. Just You didn't earn it, you didn't get it, but He has given to every person. If you're breathing here this morning, you have gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you're three years old, five years old, seven years old, you, and you, you love God and you, you love Jesus, you've got gifts. The kids ministry don't get like a junior Holy Spirit. They get the same Holy Spirit that you've got. And they've got gifts to operate in. Uh, They're available to everyone. No one misses out. Um, The key word is manifestation. um, It's the manifestation of the Spirit. So when we see these gifts happen, we're not looking for gifts. We're looking for God's presence. His manifestation of who He is shows up. And a last thought is what I'm about to share with you. All these gifts are super natural. They're not human ability. Um, They're supernatural. And we were were reminded of the two foundational stones is gifts operate best in the environment and the church of unity and love. In fact, it's just, I just love saying this, gifts are meant to unify the church, not divide the church. And, and that's because they need to be grounded in love. The reason you should want to see the gifts of healing released is not because you can go, cool, someone got healed, but because you love someone and you hate sickness and you hate people being depressed and you hate the oppression of the devil and you love it when God shows up and helps them because you love people. It's about people. The reason we want to see words of knowledge and prophecy released is because we love people being edified and built up and becoming all they can be. If you have not love, you're just a clanging symbol. We want to love people. That's what the gifts are all about and in unity. So let's fan them into flame. Let's uh, stir up the gift of God which is in you that he told Timothy. Come on, don't just sit on your gifts. Stir it up because we're sitting on a gold mine of gifts here at Calamunda. So let's get into the Word of God. I'm going to continue on from last week, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Um, and I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. And that's important because it does say it a bit different from how I've said it before and how I've read it before. And the reason I want to go from the New Living is because it explains it without me having to explain it. Let's go. A spiritual gift is given to each of us 
so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, one, someone else the one Spirit gives the gift or gifts, in another translation, of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and to another, uh, sorry, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person, he gives the ability to speak in unknown languages or, languages or speak in tongues, while another the ability to interpret what has been said in tongues. That's what it means. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. And on the next screen there, you can see there's three sections of giftings here. And I just want to say also that, as I said last week, the gifts, the, the spiritual gifts, just on the next slide, the, the spiritual gifts, there are more than just these nine mentioned here. Paul, for a reason, we, we love the Word of God, Paul mentions these nine in this section for, for a reason, and it's important. But there is, as we said last week, somewhere around 20 spiritual gifts, give or take, and it's not a matter of how many. It's just important to know that there are so many gifts, and this is just nine that he highlights, and we see them in three categories. There are revelation gifts, which reveals information, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the discerning of spirits. There is the power gifts, performing of miracles, like the gift of faith, the gifts of healing, miraculous powers. And then there are inspiration gifts, which inspire, is it like inspired communication, which is prophecy, which is speaking in tongues for, for public uh, prophetic um, edification. I'll talk about that in a moment. And then the interpretation of tongues. And he, he puts them into the, the, these sections. And my first key point is that gifts are given clearly for service, not for status. Gifts are not about status. They are all for service. Every believer has, if you read this passage in context, every person here should have at least one of these nine, and if not other gifts or more gifts than that. So that tells me that I believe these gifts are probably operational and, and operating, and some of us may not actually be aware. Other times you can be very aware, for example, if a miracle takes place and there's a gift of a miracle taking place. Um, there's just a couple of things to, to say. Some of the, when I speak on this, I'm going to speak from the viewpoint of what um, sometimes I'll speak from different viewpoints and you might not know where I stand on it, uh, but other times I'll be very clear that, that I, I, this is where I stand on it. But hey, there's other few. So for example, um, one viewpoint is that these nine gifts, uh, every believer... Uh, they, all nine can show up at different times. And so you might not just have a gift of discernment all the time. You may actually have another gift where Paul said, um, you know, seek after the best gifts. What are the best gifts? And some people believe the best gifts are the gift you need at the time. When you're sick, you know what the best gift is that you need. Um, when you need wisdom, you know what the best gift is that you need. So they, they show up. Other, but, but also in reading it, it's quite clear that all believers possess least one of these gifts. I just want to encourage you that. Um, there's not also to note, there is not clear biblical definitions all through the Bible that keep talking about these gifts. They don't, they're not like the main thing. And as I said last week, uh, Churches of Christ, one of our founding things is that in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, diversity. These are non-essentials to salvation. These are not the main thing. But however, 
We need power in our life, so they're kind of important. But they're not the main thing, and we don't get divided over it. Rather, we celebrate diversities, and our main thing that we all celebrate on is that we just want to see people edified, built up. And so the giftings are for that. Um, The goal is edification. So let's get into it. I'm going to go into um, not all of them today. Let's see how many I get through. Number one, the word of wisdom. The Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. What is the word of wisdom? I'll define it like this. Supernaturally received wisdom. Supernaturally received wisdom. It's wisdom of God coming to you and going through you. Utterance of wisdom. The Greek word for wisdom is Sophia, and it refers to the intimate understanding of God's word and his commandments, which result in holy and upright living. In the context of this passage here, it means to speak to the life of an individual or a specific situation with supernatural and greater understanding than is what humanly is possible. And from it always will come from a righteous perspective. People that are mature in a word of wisdom will be mature in the knowledge of the word of God. They will, they will have the Word of God hidden in their heart in such a way that God can supernaturally use the, the wisdom that they've deposited and draw, draw it out. But He cannot take out of the bank that which, that which you don't deposit, but He can also bring things that are outside of just Scripture to give wise advice. I think it's a powerful gift. What is the purpose of this gift? It is a protection gift for the church. It protects us uh, against bad decisions, against ways that we are going. Um, Often people with this gift can see through confusion in a situation and then give direction that would help an individual or a group to obtain God-glorifying goals. The church needs this gift of wisdom to guide her through uncertain and difficult times. I love how Stephen, when Stephen in the first martyr for the church, getting stoned to death, getting, getting killed, and he gives this massive speech in Acts chapter 6 there, and it says there in verse 10, but they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Notice that. It wasn't his wisdom, but the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Another good example of this is um, Jesus. In fact, you can see all the gifts of the Spirit in the life of Jesus. And you might go, yeah, he's Jesus. But I'm telling you, Jesus, when he laid aside his majesty, his divinity, he became a sinless, spirit-filled person. When you were born again, you became sinless in the eyes of God, not never sinning but certainly hopefully sinning less but we're not sinless in in our in our flesh but spiritually we are born again and regenerated you are sinless and you are filled with the spirit of God so Jesus is our example when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit he is our example and so there's many things we can learn from him and when they were um, trying to get Jesus The scribes and Pharisees always coming at him to get him. They ask him questions. Um, They were often in awe of his wisdom. You know, when they when when they talk to him about we should who should who should we pay taxes to and the tax question, and Jesus answered back and said to them, "So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's." The Bible says when they heard this, they were amazed, so they let him go away. 
Um, even in the Old Testament, the gift of wisdom we see in Joshua when he interpreted a dream of the future, supernatural wisdom. Daniel received wisdom by a night vision, a word which projected into the future. So this gift of wisdom, word of wisdom, you may real, not realise that, that you're already operating in it. Uh, one of our elders, Brian, isn't here, but I'm sure Dave will attest to that often in meetings, he'll say something and you're just like, whoa, that's really wise. Uh, where did that come from? Maybe it's the gift of wisdom on his life. Um, and so we need these gifts. Amen? Number two was, is the word of knowledge. The Spirit gives the message of a special knowledge. What is it? Well, similar to wisdom, it's the supernatural receiving of information. Knowledge is information. And you can get knowledge naturally. You can get it by reading, you can get it by studying, you can get it by going to seminary. You can get knowledge. This type of knowledge is supernaturally received. It's not gotten through human effort, if that makes sense. Um, not, uh, it comes not through the natural senses. It can often be knowing about people, knowing about a situation. And God gives you this knowledge that you didn't know before. It's important to note that the gift of knowledge is not the gift of guessing. It's not the gift of, hey, I just sense someone in here has probably got a back problem. I sense, God, you've got a back. I guarantee you there's probably someone in here with a back problem, hey? Like that, that's just sort of the, the gift of knowledge. Here's the difference between that and that. Because, hey, God might actually give me that gift for somebody. That word, I should say. But it's when you know that you know that you know something about a situation and it is just rock solid. It's supernaturally received. For example, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching him, he said, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. He knew Nathanael. He knew him. There, there was this knowledge about him. Also, when Jesus was with the woman at the well in John 4, um, he told her to go, go and get her husband and come back. She was asking for water. Um, she said, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you were right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have, had, you have had five husbands and the man you are now with is not your husband. Um, he said, what you have said is quite true. So Jesus, this woman at the well, is seeking and inquiring and he gives a word of knowledge. And what does this word of knowledge do? It actually is edifying and building up. It sounds a little bit crazy what he says to her and it's like, where's this going to go? But Jesus said everything he said because of love. He loved this woman so much. And he wasn't saying it to condemn her, to criticise her. He was saying it to show her God loves you and he knows all about you. You know every marriage you went through? God saw every one. You know who you're with now? God sees him. You know what's going on? God sees, he loves you so much. And that word of knowledge can help people to know, God cares for me. God, God is in my business. God is watching over me. And so when somebody operates in that from a heart and motive of love and says to somebody, I don't know, it could be just um, at, at, at the shops and you see somebody uh, speak something to somebody, you, you get a word for somebody and you just feel, I just need to tell you this. And you don't know where it come from, but you just are there to show them that God loves them. That is with them. It's a word of knowledge. It edifies by showing a person how God cares. Number three is the gift of discernment. The gift of discernment is the, and this is an important one, isn't it? It's the ability to discern in, in the NLT whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. The Greek word for the gift of discernment is hard to say. The word describes being able to distinguish, discern, judge or appraise a person, statement, situation or even an environment. 
Discernment is the supernatural ability to know and discern, hey, this message, this is not from God. This person is not from coming from God. So the gift of discernment will do three things. We'll leave it on that one. We'll do, can, can do three areas. It can discern when somebody comes to you um, and, and, and somebody who operates in this gift can tell whether the person is coming in the spirit of God, in the spirit of the enemy, of the devil, or in the spirit of the world. And they can discern straight away. I've, I've, I remember somebody, um, it was actually my mum, didn't she make some good coffees this week? My mum came and did the barista coffeeing this week. So the second best looking woman in the world was making coffees with the best looking world woman. Anyway, I digress. And um, I remember we were in a ministry situation many years ago and a, a new person was coming, I won't go into all the details, but a new person was coming onto a staff position uh, in a church and I would be reporting to this person. And uh, within two, five minutes of meeting this person uh, with my mum, my mum just came and grabbed me and she said, this is not going to go well. This is, I, I just discern this is not going to be good. And the next six months were <laughs> one of the worst six months of my life. We just couldn't, we just had a horrible time and there was all these things going through. But my mum picked it straight away and I remember saying back to her, I said, don't be silly. I love, this guy's great. This is going to be awesome. And uh, it was not awesome. And uh, my mum was right. Some people can tell whether somebody's coming, what spirit they're coming in. It's like what attitude they're coming in. It's not discerning that they're possessed of the devil. Not like that. It's actually discerning how they're coming uh, in the name that they come. And whether it's in the name of Christ or it's in a different name, um, discernment. They can discern also messages and situations. Uh, the, the key with the gift of discernment, the caution, is not to be suspicious about everything. That's one of the downfalls of this gift, to, to know when your flesh is gah, sort of getting up and going, I'm just suspicious. Um, and, and that can sometimes... Uh, affect the gift negatively. So it's been able to discern and then trust God and not, not let the flesh rule or opinions even. And knowing, that's my opinion, but this is what I'm discerning. Does that make sense? We need this gift to help guide us as the church. We need this gift to help us with, with decisions, with leadership and things like that. It's an important, important gift. Number four, this is an interesting one, and I'm going to a little bit of time, if that's okay, on prophecy. Prophecy. Another ability he gives to prophesy. Now, let me say this. All believers can hear from God. It's part of being a child of, of God. You, God can speak to everybody and does speak to my sheep, hear my voice, Jesus said. Um, and all can even speak what God says to them. So you can share what God is revealing to you, and in a sense, there is a prophetic nature on that. But that doesn't necessarily mean you have the gift of prophecy. Um, this gift of prophecy is more of a sharper regularity and an area of focus that the, the just if I can put it this way, please don't take this the wrong way, us, the average believer hearing and sharing from God, this is more focused. This is like they regularly hear and, and sense from God and regularly get messages for other people, get messages for other situations and it's a focused grace that's on their life. There is more of a potency when they share things that they're hearing from God, when they're speaking from God. Uh, someone with this gift will receive messages more often generally than other people and will have the gift to prophesy. This is not to be mistaken with the gift of a prophet. 
So the office of a prophet where God gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, the office of a prophet is different from the gift of prophecy, I believe. I believe, obviously, an office of a prophet, um, they're going to prophesy. But the gift of prophecy is a special grace on people, a Christian, to be able to regularly speak into the situation from God. And there's three, I believe anyway, again, when you hear me say, I believe, I love you to be, you know, seek God on this stuff. Get to your own heart conviction. Let every man be convinced, woman convinced in his own heart. But this is what it says in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3 about prophecy, the purpose of it. The one who prophesies speaks to people for three things. They're strengthening, encouraging and comfort. I believe that's the purpose of New Testament prophecy. A pastor called John Piper you might know him, and he's quite in the middle on this. You wouldn't call him Pentecostal or charismatic, I don't think, but he's certainly he's spirit-filled and spirit-led. But this is what he says. I'll quote him about the New Testament gift of prophecy. It is a regulated message or report in human words based on a spontaneous personal revelation from the Holy Spirit for the purpose of edification, encouragement, consolation, and it is not necessarily free from a mixture of human error. And thus it needs assessment on the basis of biblical teaching and mature spiritual wisdom. He goes on to say, It is a spirit-prompted, spirit-sustained utterance that is rooted in the true revelation. Sorry, in a true revelation. It is similar to the gift of teaching, which is spirit-prompted, spirit-sustained, rooted in the infallible Word of God, the Bible, yet it is fallible um, but very useful to the church. Let me say that again in these words. When somebody speaks, um, the, when, I, when I'm preaching from the Word of God, there should be an element of prophecy on it. This is prophecy. This is the infallible Word of God. And then when somebody speaks a word that they believe is from God, it should line up with the infallible Word of God. It shouldn't contradict it, um, but it is, not as, it is not as trustworthy as the written Word in terms of you need to assess it and know, is this from God? Go and talk to somebody with the gift of discernment. And no, is this, is this from God? Well, how do you do that? Does it meet the test of comfort, edification, exhortation? Does it agree with the written word? Does it exalt Jesus? Does it promote obedience to the word? Does it promote freedom, not bondage? Does it produce life? And I've got scriptures for all these areas. Uh, does it bear witness in your spirit? Is it decent and in order? Does that make sense? It's really evaluating it. Uh, uh, young adults uh, a couple of weeks ago, and when Brian and Grace came and uh, shared, and it was a great time of Q&A, the young adults, I love our young adults, they're just hungry and thirsty for the things of God. And Grace had some things on her heart that, to speak to certain individuals, and it, it was a sense of prophecy as she would speak to them. And it goes through, as I listened to it and evaluated it, what she was speaking to them was going through that filter of comfort for people, individuals in situations that she wouldn't know about, but felt God was leading her to say those things, an element of prophecy. Prophecy will also often bring confirmation, not new information. Often that's a real key. It confirms what God is already doing. You might have a job situation. Should I take this job? Should I not? Should, should I step into this area in, in my life? Should I step into this new relationship? Um, and somebody comes along with a prophetic word for you. It should already confirm sometimes what God is doing in your life. Again, the gift of prophecy is not the gift of a prophet. 
um, and available and God releases upon his church. I remember, just on that, I remember I was invited to Kalgoorlie in 2010 um, and I just um, stepped into a senior pastor role, first time ever. Um, and I remember they said, I'll oh, come to Kalgoorlie, we've got a prophetic presbytery. I'd never heard of that. It sounded like a toilet or something, prophetic presbytery. Anyway, I didn't get it. And I said, I'd love to come. Uh, we've got a, a prophet coming, a prophetess actually, and she's just going to speak over people's lives. And so there I am, very much out of my comfort zone. And I'm sitting down and she would call people up and one at a time, about 30 people, lay hands on them and then just speak for about seven to 10 minutes and record it and you get the recording. Anyway, she's speaking away and, and everything's lining up, you know, for the first five minutes. I'm like, yeah, hey, amen. Oh, yeah, yeah. How do, you, how do you know that? Yeah, I'm like, how do you know that? And then she started talking about something and I just thought, oh, well, maybe she's off there, about men, men's ministry. And she had all these pictures of uh, young men coming up to me and, and me ministering to men and all this. And she's sort of gone on and on about it. I'm just, I'm getting lost by this stage. I'm thinking, this doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway, uh, I just let it sit on it. And uh, within two years, <laughs> I didn't even have a men's ministry. We didn't even have a men's Bible study. We had nothing. But she spoke all this stuff. And maybe it was confirming what God was wanting to do in my life. So I needed to be open to that. And within two years, uh, I, got to, I got invited to guest speak at a men's conference uh, or two or three in, in Western Australia, out in the bush and in Perth and stuff like that. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Then I got invited to speak at a men's conference in South Australia. So we got in the car and went over there. That was good. Then I got invited from that to speak at a men's conference in Tasmania. So we had a family holiday in Tasmania. Wasn't that cool? And we spoke at a men's conference. And all this stuff came to fruition. And I went back to that and I thought, that was amazing. That was amazing. And sometimes God's prophetic word comes to uh, confirm and, and, and tell you what he wants to do in your life. Now, a couple of cautions about prophecy. Prophecy is so powerful and so dangerous. Really important to know that it's so powerful and it is so dangerous because it can do so much damage. Um, my personal feeling is, uh, I don't operate in a thus, thus saith the Lord. Um, one of the most unhelpful things to do in ministry and conversations and in life is to say, God told me. Have you ever done that? God told me. Now, look, I'm not saying that he doesn't. I'm just saying when the moment you say, thus saith the Lord, God told me, you sort of put a full stop on everything. It's, it, it can be dangerous to do that and it can, it can, if you are sort of missing God or it's a bit wrong, it can do damage to people's lives, especially if it's directional stuff, which I think we've got to be really careful with. I prefer to say things like, if I really sense there's something from God to, for another person to say things like, hey, I just sense God might be saying this, but I need you to test this and see. It doesn't match with you. Or, or I've got this on my heart and I just want to share it with you for consideration. And it's so much more of a, 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 I think, a gentle and healthy way to share things that may be prophetic. I've noticed that people that have, not everybody here, don't hear me well, people with a prophetic gifting, their message gets hindered by their methods. So often their message gets hindered by their message. When I first started preaching, I remember I'd finished the sermon and there was this one person that always loved to go, to, to not even ask me, just grab the mic, get up on the stage and say, oh, by the way, God is saying, from what Brad said, God is saying. And I'm like, and, and everyone was turned off because he's, he, he was actually spot on, by the way. He was like, things he would tell me, he was hearing from God. But no one listened because his methods were terrible. And uh, the method can ruin the message. So I want to encourage us to have maturity in that space. Are you still with me? This is good. I've only got it. I'm on the last one now because I'm not going to do them all. 
This is the exciting one. Everyone gets excited about speaking in tongues. You ready? Um, so the, the, then there's the gift of speak, the ability to speak in unknown languages or tongues. As the, uh, another translation, King James, diverse, diverse kinds of tongues, diverse kinds of tongues. Um, I believe, and some people may not, and that's totally okay. As I said last week, these are areas where it's okay to agree to disagree, but they're also powerful areas to explore. Um, I believe that there are three expressions at least of speaking in tongues. And I'm going to tell you what I believe this Corinthians one is in a moment. The first one, though, I believe is the personal tongue, which edifies the individual. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14.2 says this, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people. Okay, not talking to people, but to God. What's talking to God called? Sorry, isn't it? Prayer. It's prayer. Talking to God is prayer. This would be why they have developed a saying that's not in the Bible, but a personal prayer language in tongues. They speak to God. Indeed, no one understands them. No one. No one. So it's not even someone of a different uh, nationality, not even someone who's uh, a human language. No one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. I believe in that tongue is, can, is available to every single believer. When Paul says, do all speak in tongues, and the answer is no, he's referring to the gift of the public prophetic tongue. This is not that gift. I believe this is a gift available with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And again, we don't all have to agree on it. It's not a sign of spiritual maturity. It doesn't make you a better, higher Christian. But what it's done for me is given me a prayer language where I don't need to, I bypass my human intellect and my spirit prays to God. It speaks mysteries. It speaks mysteries. I don't know what I'm praying, but I know on the authority of the Word of God, I'm being edified. And I'm part of the body of Christ and the body of Christ needs edifying. I need it. And so that's that personal tongue. But then there's another expression of tongues. And by the way, Jude said, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Let me just, actually, before we go to that, and so sometimes there will be people in a church service, this is really good to talk about this, um, where you might hear them, hey, are they, are they speaking gobbledygook? What are they doing? And they're, what they're doing is in worship, because it's a way to glorify God as you're, as you're praying in, in the Spirit or praying in tongues. It's just a part of worship. I remember sitting in a small group before this gift activated in my life, and I just knew this, this lady had this gift. And I said, look, this might sound weird, but can you, can you do it for me? Can you turn it on? Can you turn on the gift? And she's like, why? And I said, look, I, I sincerely just want to know what it's like when you're when you're using that gift. And so she just sat there, closed her eyes and said, Father, I just love you. I just want to give you glory. And then, and away she went. And it was just so angelic and it was so beautiful. And it was just helpful for me to understand how she used it and how she used it in her private prayer times. So that gift, if you hear people doing that in the church, that's not meant to be interpreted. That, that, that's not, that doesn't qualify for interpretation because it's not a public prophetic proclamation. It is them in their private prayer language. Now, you should be careful how you use that because the Bible says don't put, turn unbelievers off. When people come to church, they don't want to come to another planet. They don't want to be surrounded by aliens and that can be really off-putting. So use it with maturity and use it with uh, order. That's what Paul says. Make sense? That's good, Brad. Thank you. I love it. The second tongue... <laughs> 
is the proof tongue. This is a different expression and it's a sign to unbelievers. This is a tongue where it is in a human language that you did not learn, but it is in um, other people hear it. Like on the day of Pentecost, they spoke with other languages as the Spirit enabled them and they had all these nationalities and all these people heard the gospel in that dialect, in that language, sorry, that they um, could hear. And I've heard of this um, in church history happening. I don't know if you know Derek Prince. He's passed away now. He is a a Bible teacher with the gift of teaching. And Derek Prince was in a meeting and his daughter brought a friend and this friend came to the meeting and during the meeting in the worship, somebody stood up and um, drew the attention of of the audience and started speaking in this unknown language. This guy nudges Derek Prince's daughter and says, why is he sharing all of my sinful life? He became a Christian that day. He married Derek Prince's daughter and became Derek's son-in-law. So it's, quite, it's a true testimony. And uh, Derek testifies to that. This guy was hearing something. And 1 Corinthians 14 talks about that. That they would fall down and know God is among you because how would any people know this? So that's the proof tongue. And then the third one, which is the one I believe in 1 Corinthians 12, is the public prophetic tongue which is for edification. What he's talking about, the gift of tongues, and I've heard so many people go, see, Brad, do all speak in tongues? No. All don't speak with this tongue. Not everyone has the gift of speaking in tongues in a public assembly uh, that, that will be interpreted to bring edification. But there are people who do. And it says this. It says, uh, if anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at most three should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. The gift, this gift of tongues is always followed by um, interpretation in a language that edifies, that people understand. That's how edification happens. Even just this week in our morning prayer, somebody was gathered for 7 to 8 a.m. prayer. It was fantastic this week. And uh, I'm looking forward to the term three, doing that at least once a week, hopefully in the mornings. It was a powerful time. And we're, um, we're going to, yeah, God, God's... God's good. And somebody in that, in that um, prayer meeting proclaimed a message in an unknown language, in tongues. And when this happens in, generally speaking, it happens in a church environment, what happens is as somebody releases this gift of speaking in tongues, the attention of the people in the place is drawn to that person. And it's drawn to what they're saying and to the, to the listening because they're proclaiming something in tongues from God. And then the person... Um, in, in, the, in, the, sorry, in the morning prayer this week, interpreted, and it was beautiful. It was edifying. It was beautiful. It was sweet. It was done in order. It had a, it resonated with my spirit bore witness. This is God speaking. And so it brought edification. Again, it wasn't to highlight a person. It's not to highlight a gift. It is to bring edification, to hear the heart of God. And that is the type of gift when he, in this passage of Scripture, I believe in the context of it, that's the gift of speaking in tongues um, to interpret. Make sense? Cool, cool. And we're closing and we're landing the plane. Um, when we were in Bansdale for ministry, uh, when I was a youth pastor, this would actually happen in church. I'm going to share some things. This would actually happen about every third month or so. Somebody would come up um, and there would be an opportunity for, for people to share a prophetic word and he'd just get up and speak in tongues, but always was interpreted. And it is important that we do that, that it is interpreted, that it is done in order and, and is done in the way that Paul wants it to be done. It says lastly there, 1 Corinthians 14, 39, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy 
And do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Um, You can get that if you need to. It's all good. Uh, Going forward as a church... I'm not going to go into the other power gifts this week. I'm going to do that next week. There, I love, I love them ones. Um, it's on my heart and as I pray for us and, and think about where God's leading us that, that we can be a really safe place to express the gifts of the Spirit, uh, to, to learn, to grow, to train. That was one of the words that were given this week. We had a big whiteboard of all the prayer points. And one of the words was that we wrote there was safe training ground, safe training place. In fact, in, in, in the month of August, there's going to be a couple of Wednesday nights that you'll hear about to come here on a Wednesday night and we're going to um, go deeper on some of these gifts. You know, these gifts, as I said last week, they're not all for a Sunday service. They're not all for a platform with lights. They're for everyday living. They're for, for your whole life. And you may notice that you're operating in some of these gifts already, but we would like to help hone. You know, who knows you've got to hone gifts? You've got to sharpen them. When I first felt the call, I felt God had put on my life to be an evangelist. I felt that from, from the age of six, there's a videotape on the old, you know, them old Super 52 real things, whatever they're called. And, and it's got me and my brother there, me and Michael. And, and it's got, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm in my little cardboard boat going on the grass and doing the boat thing. And Michael's got his cricket gear on. He said, I want to play cricket for Australia. And I remember I looked back and they've got it recorded, said, I'm going to go around the world and tell people about Jesus and eat rabbits. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm, I'm still concerned about that, that one day I'm going to be overseas somewhere in this tribe and they're going to be like, eat the rabbit and preach the gospel or something. I don't know why I made that accent. But I'm like, maybe it's going to come true. I'm freaking out, to be honest, but I'm just going to stay in Kalamunda for as long as I can. But... Um, and you know, with that gift of evangelism on my life, what I did was that when, when I was baptised in water and really recommitted my life, I, I, I've said this before, I wrote my testimony. I wanted to be able to share what Jesus is to me. And then I wrote down all the verses about... about um, Salvation. I wrote down what it means to become a Christian, that Romans 10, 9, to confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. And I studied what it means, the heart and mouth connection, that it's so important. I studied what John, um, John 3, 16 says. I studied what born again means. And it says born from above. And I wrote it all down over and over because I knew that I've got this gift, but I want to hone it. I want to sharpen it. And there's gifts here that you're sitting on and that you might sense I've got this, this, this word of knowledge, this, this thing, but... We're going to take some time, hopefully, to hone it because it's, the more it's released, we don't have to work as hard and we can see the ease of the Holy Spirit come through our life. And so we want to do that. We've even um, got a recognised prophet coming in August on a Wednesday night to be able to share around some of this stuff about prophecy and even speak over your lives and my life. And it's somebody who we trust who's got um, credibility in the body of Christ. It's not just some Johnny-come-lately. So I, I share all that to say we, um, I'm really excited about where God's taking us. Not because gifts are like the bells and whistles, but because they can edify, build up. You know the greatest gift is salvation. Amen. Jesus, He's the greatest gift. And I wonder this morning, if you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour. If you are here this morning and you've never done that, Please come back. You might be thinking, what is all this stuff this guy's talking about? This is, we, we, we want to do two things at Kalamunda. We want to engage seekers and we want to empower believers. And we want to see it happen all at the same time. So I'm going to invite you to stand down. I'm going to pray a prayer. If you could stand and if you're comfortable to close your eyes, I'm going to speak a blessing over us. But I'm going to pray specifically now that if you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus, 
You've never given your life to Jesus. That's what all these gifts combine for. That's what it's all about. It's about people coming to know God, being forgiven of their sin and having relationship with Him. Father, I just pray for every person here a special blessing this morning of that we are gifted for purpose. But Lord, I pray specifically for people here this morning who don't know You, who have never given their heart to Jesus, that right now they would make that decision, I need forgiveness of my sin. I need to be washed clean. I need a fresh start. And if that's you this morning, while every head is bowed and eye is closed, I'm going to invite you to come down to the front right now. Just walk down right now without any hesitation. I'm going to pray a prayer with and for you. Any person at all, just come down. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, this is your opportunity right now to come to the front and say, Brad, will you pray for me? I want to be forgiven of my sin. I'm just going to give you a couple of moments just to come on down and I'll meet you at the front and pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Cool. Awesome. It's good. I love doing that. I love opening up that space. I'm never worried about it, whether 100 people come or no one comes. It's not about me. It's about you and God. So let me speak this blessing over us, Father. I thank you for this morning. I pray that the words that have been uh, maybe of Brad and, and not, not of you would just fade away. But Lord, the words that were from you this morning would just get into good soil, get into our hearts and bear a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of love, joy and peace. And Lord, that this would be a safe place for the gifts to flow. And everybody said, Amen.